0: All right. Chapter 29, right? Let's do it. Anybody know where Lynn Johnson is? Oh, he doesn't come on um, no, Wednesday night. Yeah. I was thinking
1: deserted
0: you, but i like, Yeah, right. I was thinking Caleb. Anybody know? Caleb, okay? He's around here. I saw him walk in. He said his stuff's there? Okay. Yep. All right. Who wants to pick up on um, verse number
2: one? Get us started. Sorry. All right. You have a particular endpoint? Um man, uh, just do the whole chapter. I got it. All right. <laughs> Isaiah chapter twenty-nine, read from the ESV, Ah oh, Ariel, Ariel, the city where David encamped. Add year to year, let the feast run there round. Yeah I will distress your Ariel, and there shall be moaning and lamentation, and she shall be to me like an Ariel. And I will encamp against you all around will besiege you with towers, and I will raise siege-works against you. And you will be brought low, from the earth we shall speak, and from the dust your speech will be bowed down. Your voice shall come from the ground like the voice of a ghost, and from the dust your speech shall whisper. But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing chaff. And in an instant, suddenly, you will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder, and with earthquake, and great noise, with whirlwind, and tempest, and the flame of a devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, all that fight against her, and her stronghold, and distress her, shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. As when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating, and awakes with his hunger not satisfied. or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking, and awakes faint. This thirst not quenched. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Astonish yourselves and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind. Be drunk, but not with wine. Staggered, but not with with, uh, strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep, and has closed your eyes, the prophets, and covered your heads, the seers. And the vision of all this has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. And when they give the book to the one who cannot read, saying, read this, and he says, I cannot read. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things to this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me? Or the thing formed, say of him who formed it? He has no understanding. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meat shall obtain fresh joy, in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffer cease. And all who watch to do evil shall be cut off, who by a word make a man out to be an offender, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale. For when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name. They will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob And will stand in awe of the God of Israel And those who go astray in spirit Will come to understanding And those who murmur will accept instruction
0: 66 chapters, right?
1: Yeah.
0: We're going to the New Testament next Okay, just so that everybody's clear about that Okay Yep Yeah. yeah. How about the couplets? Somebody show me a couplet. Let's start with that just so that we make sure that we've got nailed down what a couplet looks like and show me a couplet in one of the verses. Let's nail that down because they're right in the beginning and it's kind of an important thing for everyone to see.
3: Astonish yourselves and be astonished.
0: What verse number are you on, sister?
3: Oh, verse nine.
0: Verse nine. Okay, one more time.
3: Astonish yourselves and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind.
0: Good. Good example. Yep, that's a beautiful example. Let's
4: do another three. one. 3. What? Verse 3. Yeah, all right. What is it? Skinch you all around and will besiege we'll you of towers, and I will raise siege works against you.
0: Yep, another example of that. Right. We've got to learn to be able to see those couplets. So, how would you explain to what a new believer is what a couplet is?
3: two
1: phrases
0: that basically both say the same thing just different positions
2: Yep. <clears throat> so they say the same thing but they don't okay. go I'm like go I'm trying to give a couple ideas of doing the same thing so you kind of get the idea of what's going on huh? yep what does the
0: repetition do for the Hebrew it reinforces right yes so we, you need to say the same thing twice okay any other couplets in there what did you say, Jack? Verse four. All right. What is it?
5: You will be brought down, and you will speak from the ground, and your words will come from low in the dust. Your voice will be like that of a spirit from the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, first. Your five, speech will whisper from the dust. Yeah. Go ahead, Jan. Verse five.
1: But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing shaft.
0: Right. So again, just so you're not clip, maybe you're not following us. We're comparing fine dust to what?
1: casting
0: yes, chaff yep blowing chaff exactly and the foreign foes to the ruthless right exactly okay and the word woe did you have woe Josh what was your first word in chapter 29 was it woe uh, ah ah okay what it, the CSB has woe what else do y'all have,
1: have
0: woe as in
1: ah correct right. Okay, but that's—I remember at the beginning of the study, he uses that word like throughout the book of Isaiah.
0: Yep, big deal. Okay, what is this then to Jerusalem? What is it? How do you explain it to somebody? What is this chapter?
5: one—a denouncement.
0: Okay. What is he denouncing?
5: He's denouncing them. He's pronouncing a time of judgment to come upon them. In particular, he's rejecting their capital city. And their strongholds. He's relinquishing relinquishing his
6: protection. I like that uh, verse 13 is right there in the center. That, you know, and as much as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but I have removed their hearts far from me. So he's kind of laying out his specific uh, issue out of all of that. It kind of seems like that stood out right there in the center as well. Here's my issue. I, I
5: almost see this laying side by side with Matthew chapter 12, near the end of the chapter, in the beginning of Matthew chapter 13. 12 where they have the argument with him and they're demanding that he tell them by what power he cast out demons and he refuses so they say you cast out uh, demons by the power of Beelzebub the prince of demons he says you're stupid a kingdom divided against itself will not stand Right, and then he moves immediately to preaching and parables Lest they hear they be converted. Going back to Justin's verse
0: number 13, do you, um, you guys got a note on there? Does your Bible have a note for you?
6: Verse 13? Yes. All right, what's your note say? Empty ritualism does not bring closeness to God. Jesus used this verse to describe the Judaism of his day Matthew 15, 7 through 9, and Mark 7, 6, 7.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and this is a good example of how um, that your New Testament writers they don't hesitate to reach back to Old Testament and just grab what they need. You know what does that do for us? What what is the significance of that? This this you know where Jesus is quoting uh, this people honors me with the lips, but their heart is far from me. What? What's going on here? What are some of the implications of this reaching back and grabbing something and pulling it and applying it to a current day situation?
7: I think it shows that you can't just completely disregard the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. What else, Michael?
5: Use the New Testament to understand the Old
0: Testament. In this situation, though, this, this Old Testament is becoming...
6: Quite the foundation. Mm-hmm. What, what do I mean by that? Quite the foundation. Well, I figured, especially at the time, I mean, the Hebrews coming up, they had to learn this and know this in school. Like, this was part of their upbringing. So, the moment that he starts quoting scripture like this and he uses those words, in my mind, it's always thought that they should recognize what he's saying, right? As soon as he says that, um, especially the key scripture, especially Isaiah. And so to me, if there's a Sadducee or Pharisee or whoever's listening to the Hebrew or Jew at that time, they know exactly what he's quoting. And in their minds, they go straight to Isaiah. And so he's looking for them to draw the illusion, then what are the follow on things that he's saying? He's trying to trigger their brains into that mentality. Um, I don't know that for sure, but that's just. Mm-hmm.
0: So on Sunday, I'm gonna actually show you guys at the 830 service, I'm gonna show you where the. They're quoting from the Septuagint, and it's nearly verbatim. I'm just gonna put the Greek of the Septuagint and the Greek of the uh, quote from Acts, and, and you'll look at it, even though you can't read Greek, you certainly can see that that character is exactly like that, and that looks nearly identical. And they're just reaching back and grabbing these wholesale quotes and doing what they want. And you're right, that reinforces This is a prophet come from God who knows this book and is now applying it to us. And it's a pretty significant slap in the face because they would have understood Isaiah as coming from Yahweh. And now the man Jesus is quoting Yahweh. You see where where he's quoting Yahweh and he's applying this to them. Yeah. So what does it look like when this people approaches me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me? <clears throat> what does that look like? And and how do we guard against that in our modern-day religious worship of today? How do we guard against that? Well, I,
1: mean, I, I see it in, you know, like the Catholic liturgy or the Lutheran liturgy. It's just... It's just words written on a page, but nobody's really paying attention. They're just reading words out of a book, and they're really not even, you know, understanding what they're saying. Um, so we guard against it by not, you know, doing repetitive, um, just reciting words out of a book, but instead, um, you know, having meaningful prayer, having mean, meaningful preaching, having meaningful worship. Okay. Um, hey, who else? We don't have a proper reverence for the Lord. And so it's with their mouths. And today, a lot of people, just like maybe in the Catholic Church, they they say a lot, but when it comes to living out the Word of God and having a proper, a healthy fear, the right kind of reverence by living their lives out, that shows your relationship with Jesus Christ and your love and devotion for Him. All right, we've bashed the catholics
6: enough let's bash ourselves what I, would love to say, I was going to come back to sunday i would not take anything back away from what she just said though that was great i would just say um i come back to the sunday sermon i left um feeling and just kind of that culmination of you know there's no works that i can do um and just to show up on sunday <laughs> is just not going to do it but just that idea that all the way throughout the week. we've talked, you've mentioned it before, I think last Wednesday, was just that totally leaning on the Lord. Um, But I was stuck with, uh, Alistair Begg did a a short on YouTube. It's the man on the middle cross. And at the end of it, he talks about when we, yeah, when we go on our own, it leads us to one of two things. And that's just abject uh, depression because we're trying to do things on our own or a horrible sense of arrogance. And so either way, it's a very bad place to be. Um, when we try to do things on our own. But when I see this, it's just, I can show up at church and try to do the rest of the week by myself, but really I don't need to pay lip service by being here on Wednesday night and on Sunday. I need to have faith that he's a, he's a word of his, he's a man of his word. Mark.
5: I was gonna say for for me personally, uh, I, could be, I could see guilt in myself in this. like. Specifically, with singing praise in church, uh, singing worship to God, you find yourself two or three verses in and realize, like, I'm not even paying attention to what I'm saying. And it's like, I'm giving that I'm speaking praise to God, I'm speaking honor to God out loud. But I'm not even that's not where my heart is. And you ask, how do we guard against that? I think that's because that those mornings that that's happening in church is because I didn't prepare my heart for worship. I didn't come into church with the right mindset of like, what am I here to do? And I think that's the most applicable for me that when I read that, that's what pops out. I know for myself, I can see sermons and a lot of times see where they're headed. From 30, 40 years of church attendance and from training and everything else. And so you go into a sermon it doesn't matter if it's one you've heard before or not, or uh, familiar or unfamiliar. You spend enough time, you know the way people think, you know the way people study, you can start to see patterns of thought. If you can run ahead, you know your own personal studies, habits, and your knowledge is there. And well, I'm sure you could do it. Your seminary trained. There are times when you can just, you can be there, and you're actually getting nothing from the sermon all you're doing is you're listening you're critiquing your heart's not with God in fact it's so far away from God it's with Satan <clears throat> and you're attentively listening you're even taking notes but not for the purpose of worshiping God it's for judging the man who's bringing the word this works. and, and, and my, my thought is to guard against it to answer your question I have one question written down every Sunday, every message. What is my (laughs) takeaway? No matter how rudimentary or how polished the speaker is, what's the one thing God wants me to take away? That's the only thing I'm there to hear. Kelly? It
4: seems like there's applications both on Sundays and throughout the week. Because the opening part says, These people are people, they say great things about me, Mm -hmm. but it looks like their lifestyle is far from so they might look the part of church. Likewise, you can equally look at them not be doing it at church, but these are people that make it seem as though they are spiritually religious, but their lives aren't consistent. Mm
7: I
8: was gonna say, uh, Revelation, uh, chapter 2. The Loveless Church. I was trying to find it because I knew there was some stuff in here. What did Christ say that they needed to do? Because they were, they were. It sounds like they were rock stars. At first, when you're reading it, they're, you know, uh, your works, your labor, your patience. You can't bear those who are evil. You you know, um, you tested those who say they're apostles. But then the truth was that they forgot their first love. And I think that's a danger for any denomination or any Christian yeah. is that we do something and it feels it feels like oh that was great it was good worship was whatever so now we do that again we do it again we begin to have a routine and we should repent and go back to the first things and remember our love and i think that's the only way that we can guard ourselves against it because by nature we're humans and we want to create a routine of things that we think is good because mm-hmm. we need a uh, this plus this equals this <laughs> in our lives, and so that, I think that's the really scary part about this. It's like the truth is like maybe thin it out and just remember that every time we go into those. So I think ultimately, uh, Jack, what you're doing is you're you're taking time before you go into that service to get your mind right and to remember why am I why am I here? What am I like? What am I doing? What I, what should I be? How should I be having a relationship, a time with Christ? this moment and worshiping him by
5: the study, you know and i love intellectual depth <coughs> so it's easy to fall in love with a class like this <clears throat> right and it's easy to fall in love with the class and forget the god of the class mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. i'd say it's even outside the class though we're um my wife and i are working through james right now and uh you know i really love what pegasynthesis said about james his knees were so calloused from praying all the time that he was, he had knees that looked like a camel's. And it's just like, when I think about it, it's not Wednesday night, it's not Sunday. It's, you know, I come here to get fed. Um, and it helps me get through the week to maintain during work. Um, but at the end of the day, my wife and I were talking about, and I drew the analogy in a marriage cause that's what it is. It's a marriage. If I only talk to my wife once a week, where does that end up in five years? If I only talk to my wife on Sunday, you know, Or how does that relationship, what's that look like? If I tell my wife, if I never tell her I love her, and I never show her I love her, right? How long does that marriage or relationship last? And so for me, the the real battleground is prayer. Prayer and that communion with Christ every single day. Um, And I'm horrible at that. Like, um, Yeah, it's, for me, the battleground is is just that alone time and carving out a time in our lives uh, for prayer.
7: I'm in a very different situation, but one thing I always catch myself doing is, why am I actually going to church? Um, with the environment I'm in, I'm required to go to go church. Go the if you don't. I'm required to go to church three days a week, and I'm in chapel services four days a week. I mean, I'm, I'm having six out of the seven days of the week where I'm supposed, where I'm required to show up somewhere. But if I don't go, it's 25 to demerits and 100 I'm out. So, so Church so, members, like, church members, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> so well, lot, I, lot quicker than <laughs> yeah. I, I have caught myself multiple times where I'm like, am I like, why don't I feel the want to go to church? It's like, I, I'll be so focused in my task for tomorrow where I'm like, I don't really want to. I'd rather, I'd rather not go and study, but I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling with it. Yeah. So I, I feel like one of the hardest things is where's, where's the motivation? Is the motivation because, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to go to church or is the motivation, I actually want to get closer. And I feel like that's a part where the heart can really um, have a big play.
5: Yeah. Congratulations. You're going to work in the Christian ministry. That's your whole life for the rest of your life.
3: Very relatable. I've I've never been in a place where church was optional.
6: So, yeah, it's a a
5: struggle. Mm -hmm. Some some days, some weeks, that is a true
6: struggle. Mm -hmm. Well, they say when you take the thing that you love and you make it your job, it doesn't become as fun anymore. Right? So again, when you make something work, it's very hard to keep the love about it because you start to fall into that mundane routine. And Mike, well, I'll, I'll, and when it's not Sunday,
5: I can tell you, it's when I lose my compassion for people. Monday through Saturday is when I'm off spiritually. When he, like he's talking about like prayer with his wife and stuff, for me, it's when I'm I have no compassion in my heart for anybody that day.
0: you're going to graduate, Michael, and then you have a choice.
1: And, and really, though. It'll be like, more we're deciding for you. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Having a choice doesn't make it easier. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I have a different perspective, Michael. So. This
3: reminded me of a passage in, um, the first chapter of Isaiah where God says that he has had enough of burnt offerings and rams yep. and do not delight in the blood of bulls um, bring no more vain offerings and sometimes whenever people come just with the program they come just programmed um, that is a vain offering that is useless to God and he does not want that it says actually you're you know my soul hates they've become a burden to me I'm weary of bearing them so we come with that programmatic approach to worship or to God and our daily submission to him um, it's useless to him and yet, in our minds are like oh check that box today I got that done and it's off my list. Sounds like a chains offering mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. in
3: her table mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's, yeah. that's what that reminded me of
0: I think I think it's worthy of at least for a moment recognizing that um, yeah. you know we're not israelites we're new covenant believers we have the holy spirit living inside of us <clears throat> and, and although there may be times when it's difficult and we feel like we're going out of drudgery or whatever I think all of us can testify if we're honest that the spirit has moved us even under those circumstances and, and that's because we're actually true believers. Let's not forget that most of the Israelites are lost as can be and are gonna be in hell. There was always a true Israel and an ethnic national territorial Israel. Sometimes they were one and the same like Abraham, but most of the time they weren't. You think about like the 12 sons of Jacob. Okay, it's ridiculous to think that they're all saved. Look at their lives, okay. Reuben's passed over, Simeon's passed over, Levi's passed over, and finally we get to Judah. And the only thing that sets Judah apart from his three brothers is not his holiness, but his repentance. Remember when he has the incident with the um, with the uh, harlot, uh, his uh, daughter in law, Tamar. Tamar, and and he says, "You're right." Now I was wrong. Now we don't think anything of that. Okay? But Jewish men in patriarchal positions did not tell daughter-in-laws that they were right. Because Jewish men were always right. There was there was never a time that they were wrong.
5: Not only that, but his actions backed by never going
0: to her again. Right. Exactly. Right. <clears throat> so I, I think that, you know, we could have a moment during a worship service, a moment during a, a preaching service where we're losing it, but we also have the spirit within us that we can get right back, like just boom. You know, like, let me get focused again. I'm here to worship. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have to be like an all or nothing perspective. If you can you can come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and then move yourself into a a position where you're not just merely mouthing words you're you're not just if we can use a military expression checking the block so michael you you could easily find yourself in that circumstance and thinking about that going there but if you have a moment of prayer and you say lord help me to get into the moment trust the fact that the holy spirit living inside of you Wants to bear witness with your spirit that you can witness, uh, worship in spirit and
5: truth and experience the presence of the Lord. And you know, you saying that, Pastor, what occurred to me is, and you saying, there, there was always a true Israel, not every synagogue leader. But you know, I was thinking, and, and forgive me on this, I, I was thinking. In Michael's situation, uh, you know, for a lot of people, as it used to be at Berean, if you came to work at the school, you had to attend church here. Some may not have wanted to. Uh, they might have wanted to have another experience and, you know, may not have had the freedom in the past to do so. But in, in Israel, back in the day of Christ's time, they would have been born in a village, they would have never moved from that village. So they would have went to the synagogue of that village. And the Pharisee or the Sadducee that led that synagogue, the rabbi, would have probably been a lost person. And yet the listener, the man listening in the synagogue would still have been a true believer. That's like um, You know what I'm saying? The documentary you're talking about, how much people. Yeah. the Same situation. Same situation. And, and so you still had this true believer getting spiritual truth from an unbeliever who was sharing God's true word. Because they're reading from the scrolls.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what I thought of when you first asked the question about verse 13 and 14, like how do we keep this from happening? Everyone know, said what their perspective is, but I think the number one thing is to be in the word, because that's how God speaks to us, you know, whether or not you internalize it or, you know, it bears fruit immediately, but that's at least, you know, because a lot of times like, I'll read the Bible and it's, I might not be feeling it or whatever, but like that's still the word of God, being yeah. poured into your life. Yep. Yeah. And I think that, and that's why it's so awesome to be here at Berean, but having that continually poured into your life, that's the right thing. I mean, we're all human, we're all flesh and everything. But like That's, I think, the key to trying to prevent this in our lives is to stay in the Word. How do you keep your cell phone from being a distraction? Cell phone? Cell phone?
5: Yeah. Leave yeah. it in the car.
2: How do you keep your cell phone from being a distraction? Turn it off. I, I
4: intentionally don't take my iPad on Sundays. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm using it now. But I don't want my children to see me on it. I know what I'm doing, but I, I intentionally want to even be taking notes. And so I intentionally leave technology at home yeah. specifically for that reason. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yep. I'm not drawing cartoons when you're preaching. Yep. Well, that's
0: awfully specific. I'm not. All right. Verse 14. Therefore, I will confound these people with wonder after wonder. The wisdom of their wise will vanish, and their perception of their perception will be hidden. Do you have another note in your Bible? Paul quotes this. Does anyone know where he quotes it at?
1: 1
0: yeah, 1 Corinthians one nineteen. Just reaches back and grabs this little idea of the wisdom of the wise will vanish, their perception, and their perception will be hidden. So let's go look at 1 Corinthians one nineteen for a moment. Mm-hmm. What's it look like? What's what's these that quote? What's the language look like?
4: Where "Now with the lies and the discernment of the discerning, I will
0: So, how similar does it look like to you? Does it look identical? Does it look similar? What, what's it look like to you? It's
1: almost identical, huh? Right. Mm -hmm.
6: 85%. This is one of those times I'd be using the blue-letter Bible, and I'd be trying to look at different versions, um, LSP, CSP, just to see. Because I know when they translate, a lot of times they are not using the illusions, or I don't know, yeah. This is just one of those times you'd really want to see several versions.
0: Right. And now, Justin, what I'm suggesting to you is another thing that you can look at is the Septuagint version of this in Isaiah. So not just looking at English translations, but going, all right, here's what he's quoting in the Greek. Now let me go look at the Greek version of Isaiah 29 and see how similar they look. Even if you don't, if you're not able to read the Greek, because it it may be that it's identical. And that's where the slight differences come from. Again, why do the writers of the New Testament do this? Because it establishes the degree to which the Old Testament is the foundation for Christianity. And it's
3: huge. If <laughs> you okay, look up to verse 18 in 1 Corinthians, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And then you have the allusion back to idea. So it's kind of right there in the sentence right before.
0: You know, the wisdom of the wise will vanish the perception of their perceptions will be hidden and <clears throat> that's the uh, that's the csb then i read the csb in in uh, so that's the csb for isaiah then i read the csb for first corinthians and it's i will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent so the difference here is Perceptive will be hidden. Perception, perceptive, and this is intelligence or intelligent. So this is, Justin, where I would want to go, and I would want to look at that Septuagint and see if it is the same thing. All right, if you're not following what I'm saying, please ask a question. Okay. I'm going to go look at first... at. Um, right now i'm going to go back and look at um isaiah in blue letter bible if you have the app with me you could go with me and do it with me if you have the app on your phone so, nice that's excellent good well played yeah All right. Talk amongst yourselves now. Come on. Well, who
5: else has got a thought? Do you think there's a theme, too, in this section where it's like talking about the knowledge being revealed versus not being revealed, that that's intentional by God, especially verses 11 and 12, when we initially read through it, I was like, that is the most confusing thing in this section. But when, you, when I read it again, I think it's like very clear that it's the knowledge that they cannot access that God has not allowed them to access. Mm.
0: And why is God not allowing them to to access this knowledge?
4: His sovereignty. Okay.
1: Because they refused, they refused God's word and so God said,
0: make you blind and you can't hear what I'm saying. To what end? Repentance. To your new
1: creation.
6: (laughs) It just seems like time and time again, especially in the Old Testament, it's, you know, that uh, they turn away, they go to false idols, they start doing other things, and he sends a prophet, and the prophet's like, you know, hear me, hear me. And then when they don't hear him, he's like, all right, you cut off. All right, you're gonna blind you. Um, it's all no. sent him crazy. How long did he send him crazy for? Um, and a lot of times I've used that um, analogy. I mean, with people around us every day that we run into is a lot of times it's not their fault that they are just naturally blind and they're just, they need to be woken up. They need that, you know, some people have hardened themselves so much that they've been blinded. Um, that's just what's amazing is God has that power. He has that power to just pull down the veil, and so that's one of that's one of the key things that I oftentimes pray for is even if it hurts, uh, you know, mm-hmm. show me that, show me that wisdom, show me that information, so that I can continue to press on um, and make good decisions. But I would hate to be blinded from God's thought process. Well, you did say I forget
1: what chapter it was when God said to rely on me instead of Egypt. And um, I think this is the part where it reminds us that um, Isaiah 29 verse 15, woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord. So I'm taking this as they went to Egypt anyway, even after God said, don't go with Egypt, go to me for protection. And um, you know, I, I can take care of you. But they didn't want to wait for god and they just took action on their own and so ignored what he said chapter 30 they go down to egypt
3: in chapter
4: 30.
3: i find the fact that isaiah even has to repeat himself over and over again telling them all the bad things that are going to happen just in different ways to me it's an indication that they are really hard because i mean how many different ways can you say you're in trouble right i don't know how many
5: ways did you tell the civil courters when you had
3: them it comes down to sometimes the detention that's that's one of the best ways to tell it
5: yeah and how the captivity worked for israel Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly i mean yeah i mean isn't that like a detention and then sometimes you have to suspend them. <laughs> and sometimes to them I, mean, I mean I mean, I'm just yeah I mean how I mean Christ Christ fed five hundred people men five thousand men sorry let me get my number right I left off zeros. zero five thousand men not counting the women and children get in the boat guys go to the other side I'll meet you there Alright, roll away, boss. I'm gonna gonna pray. A few hours later, storm comes, things get difficult. Here he comes walking on the water, and they've already forgotten the miracles that he can perform, and they're gonna die! How many times does he have to tell us? In the okay, I mean, I'm just. There's a reason he calls a sheep. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. In the beginning, uh, things he said. Uh, let's go to the other side. So yeah. I mean, he already said you're going. Yeah, you're gonna make it. I'll meet you there.
7: <laughs> We're gonna die. Hey,
5: you twelve guys, go go check check out the land that God has said we will have you can't do it there's no way i'm just
6: it's hard not to though lived an entire Uh, life yeah i'm telling you i've lived an entire life and i still when something's going on and god has done miraculous things in my life Mm. Um, and it's still when I get up against the wall against something, the anxiousness still hits. Yeah. Absolutely. You still feel the pressure. And it was just like, again, thinking about this Sunday sermon, and you still feel the pressure that I've got to execute. I got to do these things. And like, it's all on my shoulders. Absolutely. And instead of, and and I want to get to the point where I read about the apostles and I hear about the disciples and even the first church fathers that talked about them, it's just utter and absolute faith. Yeah. right and they learned it over 40 50 years but they were just like that when they started but i mean here i am after a long life and i just want to get to the point i look forward to that and
5: just because i got it right
6: once
3: yeah
5: as they stood up on pentecost and said hey guys this is the spirit of god come down upon us doesn't mean that later when the judaizers come along they're not going to be like hey gentiles bye i gotta i can only eat with G- jews yeah. Yep. It, and Paul has to come along to face Peter face to face. yeah Because he's trembling that the Jews came over and they're gonna they're gonna say bad things about me. Mm-hmm. I mean humans are humans. Yep, absolutely. And we all go through stages.
1: That's why Pastor Sean said we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah,
5: absolutely. Yep. And I'm a, and I'm a practical atheist like you're describing because until my wife goes <laughs> Well, are we gonna pray about it. Okay, yeah. Now I feel this small. Throw me under the bus. If she was here, she'd already told you. But I'm telling her myself. So yeah. <laughs> we don't have to have another dinner conversation like last
6: night. Okay. So <laughs> we watched. Uh, we wanted to watch the, the War Room again. Really love that movie. Um, but it was just that the, the, uh, we watched that movie several years ago, and we did. We got it. We carved out a place, um, and we just we looked at it differently. Was prayer and reading the Bible. It became it became a battle. Cause every day the devil is literally trying to get us into that worldly behavior, let us to rely on ourselves. And so just having that battleground spot every day, that's just prayer and word. And so you gotta, do it. it's, it's just hard. It's it's like getting up. I put it in, I equate it to like the trenches, um, you know, trench warfare. I equate it to um, when I talk to vets, I'll equate it to like, you know, coming back uh, or being out in the forward areas and you just haven't showered and so that's what it's like being in the world everyday when you're trying to focus on Christ is it's just you, it's very difficult to stay in and stay focused brother being
5: in Christian ministry isn't any easier and you can succumb to practical atheism no matter where you're at yep, I believe if anything it's almost easier it is because you let your guard down hey. because you think you're surrounded by Christians and everybody can sin. What's what's holy becomes common. No.
4: Mm-hmm. 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 Sorry, guys, so, we're the for So, so
1: chapter um, yeah, Sean, uh, verse twenty-two. <clears throat> it's talking about redeemed Abraham, and then. The children of israel do you think that's the remnant or those born again yeah. I, can, I can figure out what that's saying
0: therefore yahweh who redeemed abraham says this about the house of jacob
4: <coughs> so
1: we're... is that the spiritual seed or the actual remnants of abraham that believe?
0: In, in verse 22?
1: Well, down to 24.
0: Too. Jacob will no longer be ashamed, his face will no longer be pale, for when he sees his children, the work of my hands within his nation, they will honor my name, they will honor the Holy One of Jacob, standing off God of Israel. Those who are confused will gain understanding, those who grumble will accept instruction. So, what is verse 20
4: through 24? It's a prophecy, right? and the explanation of verse
0: 14. Right. So, Jacob will no longer be ashamed. His face will no longer be pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands within his nation, they will honor my name. They will honor the Holy One of Jacob. They will stand in awe of God of Israel. Those who are confused will gain understanding. Those who grumble will accept instruction. So, if you are a classic dispensationalist then you'll say that is ethnic national territorial israel being redeemed that's what you'll say or both or what or both or both sure in other words you're saying a spiritual seed as in now and then a future is that what you're saying yeah That that's either a promise of spiritual sons of Abraham coming to faith in Christ, or that's a promise of redemption for ethnic national territorial Israel.
1: I know, but I can't figure out whether it's which one. It could be both. Do you think then?
0: I don't think it's both because I don't think that there's a promise for ethnic national territorial Israel.
1: So we're to going toward spiritual seed.
0: Jews are going to get saved, The Jews are going to keep on getting saved, and I believe that Jews are going to get saved all the way to the end, that God has got a plan for Jews. But I don't think it's separate from the church. Okay. But there are many that do. Many are fully convinced that the church age comes to a hard end, and then the whole focus of the next thousand years is ethnic, national, territorial Israel. And that depends on your perspective. That's what we've been talking about. I, I don't think that the New Testament teaches a promise for a territory for them. I think that their inclusion in the body of Christ is what this is being described in. That they will come to faith in Christ. Not all of them, but those who do, and they'll be included in the body of Christ. But that's, that verse right there is, is the big dividing line.
6: So if I may ask a couple questions, um, So I actually had somebody uh, this week that mentioned it to me, and I'm just not well. I wasn't well versed enough on it, but it goes into that the, Mo, the mosaic covenant versus the or the yeah the abrahamic covenant versus the new covenant, which is God moved into the new covenant. Is He still fulfilling the mosaic covenant with the Jews? And in my mind, from my Bible study, it was no. We that's that's gone. Right. He switched out. He moved in. He moved into the new covenant under Christ. And that includes the Jews. That's why he came. He came to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Um, I didn't know there was another school of thought out there that, that you know, God has a good promise. He promised the Mosaic. He promised Abraham to the Abrahamic covenant to the Jews. And that will still continue. That's still continuing to be fulfilled in that line. And I just I didn't understand that. Am I making sense? Or? I was following you, Justin, until the last bit that you just said. So yeah, I
0: wasn't sure <coughs>
6: what, what that last bit. It was just the fact that the Jews are still underneath that covenant. You know, which covenant? The Abrahamic or the Mosaic covenant? I mean, which one? Mosaic. I think it was the Mosaic covenant. But it was that promise that God gave them that they would, you know, that He's still going to fulfill that God can't give a promise that he's going to the, the whole premise was that God can't give a promise he's going to go back on and so therefore he's promised them and therefore that will continue to be promised Christ couldn't change Christ can't change a promise that was already made that was the argument and I was like I don't I didn't I didn't understand enough about the covenants to articulate that and I yeah this goes right into the illustration the game sorry. for the rules and tractors. So,
2: what would you say?
3: Just Sunday with the tractor. It's yeah. not that you're not fulfilling the promise. You're just giving something way better that's easier to maintain.
0: Yeah. So um, I would, I guess to kind of recap and kind of just up, trace right. what you're saying, I would say that um, the promises to Abraham yep. um, were fulfilled locally to both spiritual and biological Abraham. So that's the first thing I would say. In other words, Abraham experienced blessing, Isaac experienced blessing, Ishmael experienced blessing, Esau experienced blessing, Jacob experienced blessing, all the sons of Jacob experienced blessing. Now the blessing I'm talking about is all material, all material. Uh, And and there's lots of manifestations like that. You remember when Abraham's all concerned about Ishmael. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Come on, you guys know this, right? And he says, he's going to have 12 princes. Mm -hmm. That's not an accident. He didn't say 11. (laughs) He didn't say 13. He said 12. Mm -hmm. And Ishmael rises up and does quite well, right? Mm -hmm. And then Esau gets passed over. And the blessing goes to Jacob, right? Mm-hmm. And Jacob is getting the prosperity of that whole cross-spotted thing, and they're doing that polar, um, you know, poplar sticks thing, and 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 they're getting all this huge blessing. You guys remember that? And Jacob becomes super wealthy. So he sends all this advanced party out to get the to make peace with Esau, do you remember this? Yep. And Esau's like, I don't need any of this stuff, I'm doing quite well for myself, yeah. right? Like, I don't need any of that, okay? And then you have all of Israel going to Egypt. All of Israel, right? Yep. All the sons, 70 of them. And in Egypt, what, what do they get? They all get the land of Goshen, like yep. all of them do, okay? Not there's no distinction between bio and spiritual amongst the twelve. Like the bio ones are, are doing fair, but the spiritual ones are really. In other words, I'm fully convinced that Joseph was saved. I'm fully convinced that Joseph was saved. The 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 eleventh son Joseph was saved. I'm fully convinced that Judah was saved, and then I'm done. I don't have any evidence for the other twelve other ten. You, you, I'm convinced that Jacob was saved. Jacob says that that he he leaves in the beginning. He's like, if God does this and this and this, then he'll be my God. And and then you watch Jacob, and it becomes God did this, this, and this, and he becomes his God. So I'm convinced Abraham was saved. I'm convinced Isaac was saved. I'm convinced Jacob was saved. I'm convinced Judah was saved. I'm convinced Joseph was saved. And that's the end of my confirmation with those patriarchs. Now, could there be more? Of course. Am I God that's making? Please don't think that. I'm just saying, looking at what's revealed in Scripture. But what we do know is that all the bio sons of Abraham experienced incredible physical, material blessing. They, They get the land of Goshen, and evidently they're doing pretty well because they go from 70 bodies to 2 million. And the midwives, right, go to Exodus now, and they're like, oh, they're strong women, and by the time we get there, they're already birthed. And, you know, and God's blessing the midwives for taking care of not spiritual Israel, but ethnic, national, territorial Israel. So what I would argue is that there is this huge blessing for ethnic, national, territorial Israel Israel. But it comes to an end, and I think it comes to an end, when ethnic, national, territory Israel rejects their Messiah. I went all the way to the New mm-hmm. Testament. And when their Messiah comes to them, and they crucify him, they literally yell, crucify him. That's the end, in my view, of the tangible, physical, physical, blessing of ethnic national territory Israel and then the apostles say we're going to the lost house of it the lost house the lost that's not an accidental word the unsaved of Israel and in Acts chapter 2 3,000 Jews are added to the what Hmm. to the church and at that point it's very clear who is ethnic national territorial bio sons of Abraham And now we have ethnic, national, territorial Jews converted, and they now become spiritual sons of Abraham. And then we come in with the inclusion of the half-breeds, and then we come with the inclusion of the Gentiles, and now we really have a true spiritual Abraham who receives the ultimate blessing, which is justification by faith. Okay and and that transition when Christ says it is finished and the new covenant becomes the covenant that God's people live under then the two covenants that you have carrying forward are the promise of promise number 5 of the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant and the mosaic covenant comes to an end
6: and that's where I was getting
0: tripped up yep yeah. Mosaic just boom, right? And and, or Jesus said he came to fulfill the law, and he and he fulfilled it, and the new covenant went in force. Hebrews chapter eleven says that the Mosaic covenant is obsolete. It's obsolete, so we don't have a scenario where Jews can still please God by keeping the Mosaic covenant. See the difference. The difference between. A true Jew, an ethnic, national, territorial Jew in the Old Testament was the true Jews kept the covenant. They kept the Mosaic covenant. They kept the Sabbath. They offered the sacrifices. They were obedient. Not perfectly obedient, but they made every effort to do what the covenant said. Now they failed, so the true Israel, Jesus, had to do what they couldn't do, but they made an effort to do it. Whereas the the rebellious unsaved ethnic national territorial Israel got swallowed up into an earth. Or when they were told, look and live, they didn't. They didn't. When they were told, gather manna for six days, I'll provide it for the seventh, they gathered it anyway. They gave lots of evidences of not attempting to keep the covenants. Right, not living according accordance with God's plan. So so now you fast forward to the to the end of the Mosaic Covenant. We we don't say to a Jew today, if you want to be a true Jew, live under the Mosaic covenant. Okay, that makes a mockery of everything that Christ accomplished. What did Peter tell those Jews? Repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the forgiveness of sins and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What did he promise them? The new covenant what he promised them the blessings of the new covenant and so if a ethnic national territorial jew right now wants to be included in god's people what do they need to do they need to repent and believe the gospel and then what happens to them they become a spiritual son of of abraham and are included under the blessings of the new covenant and are now part of the body of christ now, what I gave you was a non-dispensational answer.
7: No, absolutely. If
0: John MacArthur was sitting here, he would say, I disagree with everything you just said. Yeah. Yep, he would say, I disagree with everything he said.
6: Yep.
0: Yep, uh, he would agree with the part about Acts chapter two, but he would hold to a future in which new covenant is no longer what matters and ethnic national territorial Israel is going back under the Mosaic Covenant in order to live out what they didn't do Mm
6: -hmm.
0: sacrifices all that stuff we're we're, going to do it for a thousand years we're going to get it right
3: I'm just curious what verse do you think you would go to to get that idea
0: what verse would he do?
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine he's not just pulling that idea.
0: No, he's going to the Old Testament. He's going to Ezekiel, for example, the entire temple language in Ezekiel when we work through all that. He's going to say, if you have a temple, then you've got the sacrifices. If you've got the sacrifices, you have to have a priesthood. Since we're not doing it in the New Testament, it's got to be done in the future. Now, he's not pulling it out of thin air. It is a different way of
5: interpreting Scripture. Here we go to Isaiah 29 22.
7: Okay. One can't argue yeah. that. Because he would say the house of Jacob is
5: the house of New Jersey. And Jacob would have just in the world. No, so he sees yeah. Jacob as. I mean,
0: I mean, yeah, because he's preserving Jacob. the line I mean. of Abraham, because he said in Romans chapter 11 that there would be an ingathering of
5: Jews,
3: but they come to Christ.
5: And I do agree, they have to
3: come to Christ. Right, I, mean, I just said, don't think like you can't say that was, there was a disconnect for me after a that. No, that's Revelation. All the favor and the blessings happens at the end. It's always it's not
5: now. It. You know what I mean? again you can't right. But them. but you have to also
0: recognize that for from seventy A.D. Yeah. to nineteen fifty. I mean, who destroyed Israel in seventy A.D.? Oh, God did. Oh well,
7: yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, but, but do you have any fear that God's going to do that to you? Okay. Do you, sitting in this room, have any fear that God's going to do that to you? Yes.
3: Do you have any? My you do. Not to my soul, yes. but maybe to my nation. Yeah. Which
5: no, 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 to like, you. To our nation? No, to you. To your house. believer. To you. As a Holy spirit God. drawing individual. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, to you in per- I mean Please understand that God judged His own people. bio Israel was destroyed in 70 A.D. That was God's judgment on them. Right. It, Do it, I that you would
5: bring that to our town, to our neighborhoods. He's talking
6: about you. Yeah, in but I would ask. I would. I would ask because I mean, again, we've been doing a lot of reading on this because we're in Isaiah, um, but we're also bouncing personally in the New Testament, which is. You look at the first three hundred years of the church; um, it blows my mind. Like again, when we look at that historically, it just blows my mind that Christianity. That we're sitting here today reading this Bible, um, you know. And I look at like what was considered the five good Roman emperors; they still burned down churches, burned yeah. all the documents okay, okay, people but, okay. But you're asking the question,
5: so I mean, yeah. So the question is, and I'm tr- I'm literally trying to find the clarification on this. Yeah. The. Are you asking? Do I think that God would ordain the destruction of this church, our lives physically, my home, my wife, my granddaughter, and everything? Are you asking if I literally believe that God would ordain that for us? Is that what you are asking? As
0: a condemnation for your sin.
5: The sin a, of this nation. You are sin. So <laughs> no,
0: I am I am I'm I'm drawing here. a parallel between the same God who chose Israel is the same God who ordained their destruction in seventy AD. Their temple, their city, their ethnicity, and all that. And if you would say to me, yes, he can do the same thing to this church and us, then I would say, what in the world is the difference then between our status in the new covenant and their status? Okay, because how can I claim there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus? And I am not saying that God didn't use persecution. I'm not saying that God didn't use all those things to accomplish his will, not saying that but it wasn't judgment yeah. okay. okay in other words do you think all those people in 70 AD died and went to heaven after that utter destruction
5: no, no okay but do you think that there were true 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 Jews true believers yep that died in that destruction. Yes, and they
0: went to heaven and received no condemnation whatsoever. So, in other words, if a tornado comes through and destroys a city and there are believers in there, then then the result of that... And that
5: was a clarification I was trying to get because I do believe that God could, in his providence, decide to persecute the United States and wipe us from being the United States Absolutely. I agree 100% with Jack.
0: But I don't personally live in fear that God is going to rain down a hailstorm on my house and my family. Because I am adopted into his family. (laughs) He can chastise me. He could get my He's attention. Right. <laughs> that nice. but, but there's a complete difference yeah, between me being destroyed as part of God's judgment against the city and God sending a hailstorm to it's destroy my house. Smoking yeah. me. Yeah. I agree
2: with you. I okay? Understand you. I right. understand. Right, All right. Well, even Jesus said it rains on the just and the end
0: times. Sure. We reap what yep. we sow. All those things. Okay. But please understand that that's not what happened in 70 AD. Yeah, that right. God orchestrated. They got their just because of what? Crucifying Jesus. They crucified <laughs> the Messiah. God's not going to give them a thumbs up like, okay, I kind of understand why you did that. They got the beating of their life because they did that. And for the next 1950 years, where was Israel?
3: Scattered,
0: dispersed. May his blood be on our sons and our sons' sons. Exactly, is what they said. Right.
1: Jesus predicted uh, the. 70 AD, when he was looking over the temple. Yeah, he ordained it. Yeah, he said it was going to happen.
0: Right. So, did God preserve a remnant? Absolutely. That's a miracle that there's even a single Jew on the planet today. But we're not surprised about that, because Romans tells us, 9, 10, 11 tells us, there's a remnant because of me. Right. Yeah. But to suggest that they can be the most godless nation on the planet and be under his favor is absurd.